Today's guest is Craig Kleeman. He's the CEO of the new workforce, an offshore workforce that has everyone in the workforce, SaaS literate and AI literate. So they're ready to go right away. Now, that is cool. And that's something we definitely cover. What's even cooler about this conversation is that usually it takes a while for people to warm up and open up about their philosophy on business. Uh, and we go through sort of their journey almost right away. Craig was ready to just go into it and share his insights as er about his early lessons on how he learned what his strengths are as a leader and how he overcame the things that he wasn't so good at and how that overall impacted the growth of his business. And we got to go into what makes a good executive assistant based on his own experience. Hard one from hiring EAs that didn't work out to ones that did. And the one that did eventually even became director of operations. So I think you'll love this conversation for those reasons. Without further ado, Craig Kleeman. Uh, here with me is Craig Kleeman, and we're going to talk about the new workforce and what that all means. Craig, how are you? I am doing great today, bro. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's one of those situations where it's not often I get to talk to somebody with positive vibrations as part of the the, the crux of what their brand is about and, and coming from that place of love and all the things they do. You know, business tends to be numbers, and that's good. We need those. You, you can't eat without numbers, but you do need some love in the world. So I have a lot of notes that I was looking over and I was wondering, where can I begin these things, right? But I saw that you you mentioned uh, somewhere that, you know, people like to see what you do as sort of an Elon Musk visionary approach with Mick Jagger's stage presence. Can you tell me about a time when those things crossed paths and you said, this is who I am, man, right here? <laughs> you know, thank you for asking me that. I will tell you, I have always felt that that business is really in many ways a fusion of both artistry and science. And I have found that, that that that's a great remedy for some things. And what I mean by that is that a lot of folks who've done well in business are very quantitatively thinking in their mindset, highly analytical, highly quantitative, able to almost have a photographic memory and monitor and observe and make changes and all that stuff quickly. And I have great appreciation for all of the big brain, you know, quantitative, you know, analytical thinkers in the house. But oftentimes the folks with the high impact creative side go off into music, go off into entertainment, go off into stage, you know, go off into some sort of, you know, entertainment type of, of, of a business for their living. Uh, and what I've really found is that when someone has the ability to, to really bring both of them together, artistic aspects of life and scientific aspects of life, bind them together in a business setting, it creates amazing outcomes. Yeah, man, it's 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 rare that you find people with high EQ that are also super successful in business. They tend to they tend to want to be a creative and do all those things because 
that lends itself to more of that energy they're looking for. I'm 100% with you on that. I, I, I suffer from the same ill, if they say. <laughs> um, but you, you've actually started multiple companies, which comes to that quantitative side as well, that you really seem to do really well, which is really hard for really creative people. Right. Uh, they not only tend not to finish things, uh, but mm. uh, they they also abhor business. They're like, I don't want to do sales, man. That's I, I just do the whatever creative X marks the spot thing. And so it's really peculiar to find that blend uh, in somebody. And I was looking over what you were doing and the new workforce. Can you sort of tell me before we dive into exactly what it is, how you came to to decide to launch something like this specifically? I, you know, I, I will. And, I, and I'll also, you know, kind of underneath that even adds a layer to it and tell you that when I started my first company, I was a young man. I grew it from zero to $30 million in sale, in annual sales in less than four years. It was a great run. Uh, we ended up selling the company to our largest strategic marketing partner. But I will tell you, just to dovetail on a comment you made a moment ago, I learned then, and, and oftentimes really, I, I've learned this the hard way, that my leadership skill set is more visionary than it is necessarily operational or quantitative or analytical. And, you know, I found myself with this growing company, and we, I mean, we were doing it like growing it, blasting off like crazy. But what I discovered was that. I was making messes along the way, you know, like I would I create these awesome marketing partnerships and yet didn't necessarily have the right plan in place to execute properly on the partnership. So I could go cast the vision. I could get lots of marketing, uh, lots of companies, their marketing groups to partner with us, even make investments into joint ventures and joint marketing plans. But I didn't especially in that first 18 months of the business, didn't have that operational base of people with the strong, you know, like monitoring skills, analytical skills, you know, literally, you know, process, workflow, putting it together. And so I found myself early on realizing the hard way that for me, Craig Kleeman, to make my ventures grow and to do the things I wanted to do in my life, I desperately needed to have strong operational folks who could not only put together what the, what I had promised, you know, make the deliverable occur, but in all honesty, could put a leash on me. You know, I think as founder and CEO, sometimes man, you've got to have a spirit of humility and a spirit of collaboration with your team. And you've got to give your team the rope to put the rope back on you. You know, you got to give them the ability to rope you in or rope me in. And when I, and I know this, this isn't exactly what you asked, but when I learned that, it, it, I didn't know this intuitively. You know, I, I, I really learned this by making messes, you know, like literally creating environments that was more revenue and more yield than the team and the infrastructure could handle. Then about 18 months into that, I realized, wait a minute, I've got, you know, my, my operations manager would come in my office and let me have it. And, you know, the, fir the first 18 months of that, it was tough. I'm like, 
you know, it's like an eagle thing. Who are you to tell me, right? But <laughs> then in time, I realized the wisdom of yielding to another. And I also began to realize that one of the ultimate characteristics of maturity is to be willing to submit to someone who's maybe less mature than you in life, but has more expertise in certain functional areas. So that that had an enormous impact on me on the first business that I started years ago as a young man. I love that you went there. I really did. I I prefer the philosophy because these are the things that are the intangibles that ultimately make people who are in business better, right? Uh, it's it's more than just starting a company. Like you said, you were running a company straight up, bringing in more revenue than the capabilities and capacity that the team had could manage. And so another thing you said to add to that about being a visionary, meaning, and this is an awesome definition that you gave, you knew how to paint the picture so clear that people rallied behind it, partnerships, right? You were raising strategic partnerships potentially with capital and all the things, right? And then you're like, yeah, but I, the operationals, getting the deliverable to happen and implementing it are an entirely different skill set. And often people who step into the role as CEO don't always know that difference. And they may be hard on themselves or worse yet, hard on others on their team for not knowing that. And that makes a huge difference in the quality of life for not only the teams that are involved with people like that, or uh, yet to bud entrepreneurs, if you will, but also for the CEO who seems to be running around pulling their hair out going, what is going on? All the things are aligned. No, they're not, right? And I'm glad that you made that difference because that distinction is something that gets lost in the sauce when you're out there just focused on the revenue. So for me, that was a golden moment. I mean, this conversation can stop now. <laughs> no, man, this is, we got in deep fast and I should have known. I should have expected it right away with someone who brings in that high EQ with the, with the business uh, acumen as well. Uh, so now that we've laid that groundwork, is this philosophy sort of at the center of what you're doing with the new workforce? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I will tell you that the new workforce was birthed so organically and so naturally that it's almost surreal. And what I mean by that is I was, in addition to doing consulting and advisory work here in the USA, and I've written a couple of books that hit, I'm real proud, you know, one of them hit a lot of bestseller lists. And so that spawned, you know, speaking at conferences and doing consulting work around a few methodologies that I had developed for communications, in particular C-suite level communications, outreach, and such. So as I was doing that, my clients needed help. You know, they wanted some help with execution on some of the things that I had, you know, helped them, you know, kind of a framework that they were lying down, laying down based upon my methodology called the Must React System, title of my first book. So with that demand, I began partnering with a BPO operation in Manila in the Philippines to start. So I drove like lots of USA business to this particular BPO and call center 
and so much so that I, be, you know, I became a partner in the business and back and forth regularly. You know, like a couple of years, I think I spent 30 or 40 percent of the entire year over there training, developing and making sure we're delivering. So all that said, when the lockdowns hit with the pandemic, the business came to a stop, a screeching halt. And it was very severe there. And the Philippines is not a first world economy. So there was no stimulus money and all that sort of thing like there was here. So we just unraveled the partnership in a very sensible manner. The founder wanted to plow through it. You know, I didn't, the fellow who, the, the gentleman who was responsible for the EMEA business, you know, he didn't because there was just so much uncertainty, you know? So in a very, you know, amicable and, and sensible manner, we just done wild things. Well, shortly after that, it just, it, it, I couldn't get this nagging sense that, hey, this remote work boom is here to stay, you know, in some form or another. There's going to be full remote, hybrid remote, et cetera. So, you know, I had a ready-made workforce from my 10 plus years back and forth, excuse me, to working with the BPO group there. I understood operationally just how the business works. And I also began to understand that, or I really knew that companies in the U.S. that want to outsource, they love connecting with someone really like me who is native to the U.S., who thinks the way they think, who thinks the way their board thinks, who understands return on investment and productivity yields and the need for process and the need for system, you know, for things to be systematized. And so all that said, I scooped up an initial group of workers. I sent them laptops, got them high-speed Wi-Fi, qualified, made sure, you know, they had good work from home set up all the way around. And that spawned super naturally. And I, I should say both super naturally and maybe even supernaturally, you know? And <laughs> with all that said, we've just spawned and grown like crazy since we made that pivot about two years ago. What an incredible time to be making a decision like that too. You know, I've uh, I've come across many a company that that had mentioned to me in passing, you know, you should look into services like that, you know, but when I found them, it was usually just me finding those people online, no different than Upwork, which is the last thing I want if I have to now manage that, right? So there's also that element of management, like you said, someone they know they can trust who's done all that work, right? Designed thinking. That's what people want. They want the thinking to have already been done. Uh, you figured it out. I just want to push the button, right? And for me, that's awesome because it's also telling, and I, and I think you'll dig this, it's also telling of where the future would go for business, right? I mean, if people could completely replace human capital entirely with just a button that automatically runs a program that gets things done, I'm sure they could do that. Until we get there, and it may not be far off, we are going to need supplemental workforces, especially as the American economies continue to uh, 
put themselves in a position where there's so much talent in the talent pool, but not enough people who can be qualified for certain things that are more important and more relevant for the development where money is going, like green and uh, green SaaS products and this and that. But one of the things I did see that the new workforce is doing is actually bringing SaaS intelligent people to the book. And that is different, right? Because from what and I'll let you speak here in a second, from the people I've seen that have mentioned those things, like I said earlier, when I started talking, they have to sit there and train the people up and try to get them to understand the processes. So the fact that you can already bring people in who do know all the CRM tools, who do know all the CMS tools, the back end of WordPress or what have you, things of that nature, that's what you're getting at with this workforce? Yes. And I, I will tell you that, you know, I mean, what's happening is the future is very quickly rushing into the present. And we've recognized this. So all of our workers, for example, those that are doing, you know, BDR work, you know, outreach work, <clears throat> those that are doing sales assistant appointment setting, they're trained and certified in tools like Sales Navigator, Salesforce, Zoom Info, HubSpot, you know, all the various tools, you know, I could name so many more of them, but they're trained and certified day one. So there's no learning gap. Um, another example of that is what's really impacting now is AI. And I have required the entire, entire workforce to go through a training and certification program. And they all have to come back and present to a small team of which I'm part of it, um, how they're going to use AI to create better productivity for their particular function. And that's been a company-wide initiative, but I'll tell you what spawned that, two things. One is I was an early adapter, adopter, I guess is the word of chat GPT, as well as mid-journey and some of the other tools. And I began seeing, I mean, I began just seeing the incredible productivity. So we got our content writing team trained and certified in the tools first. And that just took them to a whole new what level. They're great writers. They they understand, you know, HubSpot best practices for a two, for a blog, 2000 word count, count, scannability, readability, you know, sources, all of it. So they, they've been trained in that, they understand that, but when, but but they really could only write and deliver in products that were in their subject matter wheelhouse. Well, now with AI, the AI solves that because now they can do research at 10X the pace or the rate that they would have done it without AI. And because they've been so well-trained in the HubSpot model, for a blog and how to repurpose that into an infographic and repurpose it into an ebook and a checklist and a one pager. They now with being fully equipped with AI, they can deliver content, expert blogs on topics that, that they never thought they could have done that. So we, you know, SaaS literacy and AI literacy are like two of our top pillars for, for our workforce, you know, both both from the beginning and going forward. And we're greatly looking forward to the maturity of AI in the hands of, of my workforce because, man, they're getting better and better and better at it and delivering better and better results all the time. 
it's so cool to see that someone whose strength was visionary, right? And rallying people together and, and really getting the pieces to come together uh, for what the team should be and how the team should look is now running a company that really needs operationals. Now, did you work on those strengths yourself as CEO or is this another one of those cases where you brought someone in to help you with the management of that while you focused ensuring the story of the product, the quality of the product that is this company of the new workforce was top notch. So fasten your seatbelt on this one. Um, <laughs> first of all, you know, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. I need always need operational help. Okay. But fasten your seatbelt in that when we started launching the new workforce, and even though we're barely two years old, it's almost like we're 14 years old because of my journey in doing BPO work in Manila, you know, for close to 12 years. But so early on, one of our first hires was a young, young girl who's 19 years old. Her name is Janina. And she was so good at the tasks that we gave her. And when we deployed her with a client, so good, so fast. And her communication skills were so strong the moment she came off of contract, I quickly made her my executive assistant. Now, as she became, and I told the whole companies who were growing, I said, hey guys, Janine is now my EA. If Janine asked you to do it, please, that means I asked you to do it and interpret it and respect those wishes that way. And because I just saw this gift in her, even though she was young. And so then in a very short period of time, about literally 90 days after that, I promoted her to manager of operations for the entire company, director of operations. So literally everything with the exception of finance and strategy, you know, I still, I've got, you know, finance team that I work with and I still lay down the strategy and I've got advisors stateside that help me with strategy. But Jeannie is now 20 and she runs the entire operation and I am a thankful man. Let me tell you that. You know, building people up and growing your people is possibly one of the most uh, impactful things that mm -hmm. a visionary, a founder, a leader can do. Uh, it's not often I actually get to ask this, uh, but what what is your opinion and your thoughts on how someone can spot the perfect executive assistant? Is it more of a feeling of, wow, things are getting easier for me? Uh, who's doing this and how do I give them more control over things? Or are there certain qualities that started to stand out to you? Because that's a question I rarely get to ask. And I know so many CEOs, founders who wish they could just find somebody to to let go of things with where they feel comfortable doing that. Man, you know, I, I wish that I could tell you that I've studied this and know this, like, all you know, like, like water off the duck's back and I, I can't, but I will take a stab at the question. Um, I will tell you my first company, I hired an EA and she did a great job for me given both of our limitations. I mean, I was a young guy, you know, under 30, starting my first venture that took off. She was very young in her early twenties, but she was very detailed, very organized. But I'll tell you the thing that helped us in spite of our youth, the lack of experience was a real bond of trust. You know, I could I could just trust her to do what I asked her to do. 
Now, along the way, I've had a few other EAs where it didn't work out quite as well. In fact, with the new workforce, excuse me, I really felt that I needed a stateside EA. And this was interesting. So I hired her to be my EA stateside, paying stateside wages and all, you know. <laughs> and out of nowhere, Janina is like correcting you know, politely, you know, but but is is like tooling my my EA's work. I mean, running circles around her. So that was a big moment for me when I just made that pivot. Now I can tell you that, gosh, I mean. I feel like with Janina, and I know this podcast isn't about Janina, you know, but um, I feel a tremendous bond of trust with her. You know, she's got my credit cards. She makes financial decisions. There are certain things below a certain threshold. She just approves and it goes to our to our accounting department for payments and expenditures and things. And I've just gotten to know her. You know, she's a fine person. I think the key to that really would be, of course, strong organizational skills, of course, an ability to observe things when they're not going quite right or need some intervention from me. But I think the biggest thing is just character and integrity. Well, you, you find someone in that role who's smart, with it, attentive, but really has character. And really has integrity. And man, you 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 just you found a winner there. And especially if they have good communication skills and get things done. I wish I could tell you I've written books on this. I haven't, but I'd like to think my experience has served me well in the sense that when I make a mistake, I pivot quickly and find a better solution, you know? Yeah. Well, part of the reason why I asked you that is because you do have to look at talent. A lot of the time, and and a lot of your your background is in observing people, while also maintaining the need to go out and create a vision that people can rally behind. And then when you told me that awesome story about your EA and how that came about, and now shedding some light on the fact that there was a circumstance where you were watching someone do more than their own job, doing other people's jobs over again, cleaning up messes. You were like, yeah, as a CEO, trust me, I know what cleaning up other people's messes is like, but it's 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 possibly also uh, that wasn't the right person for the role. And so you started doing those things and looking over how you can bring more trust into someone by observing their character, like you said, and saying, you know what, I really get a good feeling about this person. And yes, they have strong organization, all the all the hard skills that they need. Uh, they They have strong organizational ability and they're able to pay attention well enough to understand when something needs to be put on a stop, bring somebody else involved and all that. All those elements are awesome, but it's really great to hear specifically that the way you view things, the way you're picking your talent isn't just that they're SaaS capable and literate, but that there's a sense of character and integrity behind the way that you choose who gets to be part of the new workforce. And that was ultimately one of my goals with understanding if you can hire your EA that way. That's how you, it's all top down, right? That's how you hire everything that comes into play. And uh, and if uh, I believe you said her name was Janine, and if she's involved in that, then you know things are getting taken care of. <laughs> Yes, sir. Agreed. Yeah, man. No. Um, and I thank you for for taking a stab at the question because it's true. So many people become the bottlenecks of their company because they don't bring in the right help 
for someone that they can let things go to. And so I'm really grateful that you jumped in on that. I want to roll out the red carpet for you, man. What what do you want people to know about what the new workforce is doing currently, uh, how they can get involved, where they can find you, uh, whether it's a website or LinkedIn? What do you want them to know? Yeah, thank you for that. Well, you know, we call ourselves the world's greatest outsourced company. And we are, in my view, and I don't know if we really are or aren't, but I, let's just say we've applied for that job because we have it right there on our website, the newworkforce.com. But we've just been doing a lot. I'll tell you, we've really been growing is the area of customer support, technical support. It's a massive market and folks are just coming to us like crazy for help because there's a big need for help in that. But we've also got content writers, which I've mentioned earlier, graphic designers, video editors. Uh, we have a great team that does appointment settings. So they do cold calling and outreach. They've got great English language skills. So our website is thenewworkforce.com. And people could always reach me anytime. Craig at thenewworkforce.com. Craig with a K and the new workforce, two W's there, the new workforce.com. And we would be delighted if folks wanted to reach out to us that way. Yeah, man. Now I, uh, I'm glad we got a chance to talk. I, I want to be able to stay connected myself. I just, uh, your energy is everything, man. And I, I can see that if that's what's at the top leading this company, then, you know, the company runs a similar boat. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm grateful to hear that because as things move forward and AI does move in, uh, we are going to need to change the way that we're running things. We, we just simply are, especially with sales and things of that nature, because, you know, those tools are great in themselves, but they don't replace someone who actually understands and has been holding a product or working with a SaaS product or something of the nature. It's a tool, not a replacement for someone who would use the tool, at least not yet. And so I'm very grateful that we got a chance to talk about that subject because it's timely and you just happen to have a solution that is made for its time. Um, so with that said, man, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be with you today. And I will tell you in closing, uh, you know, for all your listeners out there, people value affirmation and celebration far more then they value simply information dissemination. So when we begin to learn to affirm people and celebrate with them, more so than simply disseminate information to them, I think we will have healthier communities, healthier businesses, more profitable and more rewarding for everyone. I love that. Learning is cool. But celebrating what we've learned is even cooler. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs>